guys, this is Gemma Lawrence, and you're listening to Interview Under Fire Deep Cuts. Adrian, we've been at the bar since half past. All right, everyone, welcome back to the newest edition of Deep Cuts here on Interview Under Fire. This is your host, Sonny, here. And today I have the honor of speaking with the amazing Brooklyn-based indie folk singer, songwriter, and publicist. Uh, we've technically been working together in the last year. Gemma Lawrence, uh, thank you so much for joining our IUF series today. Now, you know, here we are closing out 2021 out on an exciting note for you with the release of your latest single, Adrian, which dropped here on October, 5th, October 15th. And this serves as the first single off of your new forthcoming studio album releasing spring of 2022. First things first, Gemma, um, congratulations on all the well-deserved recognition this single has been getting so far. Thank Shout you. out to the other publications like Under the Radar, Secret Meeting, and Americana UK, to name a few, who've been praising your work. There's just so much to discover about this heartwarming record and who you are all about. But before we get to all that and beyond, we we had a quite the conversation before this interview started. <laughs> we did. And I, I know we are all sort of heading towards this light at the end of this long tunnel we've been in for, I guess, nearly two years. Uh, two things. How are you? And and <laughs> what what has life been like in Brooklyn in 2021? Usually it's like, how's your day been, right? Not like, what's the last yeah. 10 months been? <laughs> yeah, that's it. I mean, how am I? That's that's a good question. Well, first of all, I wanted to thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be on the show. I've watched so many of these episodes, like tuned in to so many that like you've done with like my clients, like, the one you did with Alma was amazing. Um, and so it's just, it's great to be here. Thank you. Yeah, and we should just end it right there, right? That's perfect. Just end it on a good note. <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's it. Thanks for having me. Goodbye now. <laughs> um, how am I doing? Like, I'm good. I kind of feel like I'm floating on a cloud right now just because like, the single just came out. It's received some pretty good press. And like, it just, it's my first release I've put out in two years. So it's kind of yeah. like crazy. Yeah. No big deal. <laughs> yeah, it's like, it, it, it feels really, really good. And I just came off doing a couple of shows too. I did a single release show. At this big like iconic music venue in new york called pianos um and it was just a dream like i have a full band and it's the first time like playing really or i guess maybe the second or third time playing with a full band but i've like solidified the lineup of people playing with me yeah and it's all women and we're all queer and it was just like we're up there on the stage and people we packed the room and people were dancing and it was just crazy to see i don't know people listening to my music and enjoying it and dancing along usually i'm like I've just been so many years playing open mics to like I'm not very receiving crowd or like yeah, you yeah. know just hustling. I'm from small town Maine, so I've played a lot of bars. You know, I, I'm mainly kind of just playing my depressing, sad folk songs. So it's really, really powerful to you know actually have a band, play some upbeat stuff, have drums and bass. So that was pretty recent. So I'm feeling great, and um, just generally being in New York right now is like I'm going to so many shows, going to see so many friends play like live. Same here. Um, yeah, the, the live music scene is so wonderful in New York City, and I'm sure in Dallas as well. I've actually never been to Texas, but okay, we got to change that. I know <laughs> I'm gonna come down and visit you sometime. Let's get some wings. Like, <laughs> I would love that. I would love that. <laughs> and and you know, you're talking about the shows that you played. I, I've seen the footage, and I know you played those few shows recently out in the Brooklyn area. Mm -hmm. it's something I do want to ask because we're talking about, you know, the touring life and like the live music experience, things are starting to open back up. I also want to mention that, yeah, it's here in the States, but it, there's still 
you know, out in the world, people are still like, you know, stage, Absolutely. what is it? Uh, what is it? Level one. And there's like four levels of like the pandemic, whatever it was, but yeah. people, people are still, you know, on, on the other side of things, you know, yeah. they don't have what we have, but mm-hmm. what is it Gemma about performing live that you love the most or maybe even miss the most? Do you have a newfound appreciation about it now? Because, you know, I, I don't know what it was like for you before the pandemic started March of 2020, you know, I was at a show like every week, if not like yeah. two shows per week. And, now we're trying to get getting back into the whole scene again. I have a newfound appreciation out of that. But what about you? You perform. Yeah. What is it like for yeah. you? It feels amazing. I mean, I missed it so much, especially because, I mean, I was kind of trying to, you know, make this album and do the whole professional music career thing in like March 2020. That was when I graduated from college and was like really trying to lean into that. Yeah. And that was like the wrong time to be like, I'm going to be a professional musician. <laughs> and so I don't know, I had all these plans and, and a lot of gigs got canceled and it was it was a real disappointment. And then I ended up just being at home alone in Maine for so long um, and like seriously alone. Like I only spent like I spent 18 months with basically only seeing my parents. Like I didn't even like socialize with anybody because my dad's immunocompromised. Mm. Um, and so we were like really, you know, not even going into stores for a long time. And so it's just such a crazy dichotomy, you know, being back in the live music scene and, and playing shows, going to shows. And like you mentioned, it's a real privilege too. Like there's a lot of places in the world right now who can't do that. There's a lot of people in the States who still can't attend the shows because they're immunocompromised people. Like my dad's not going to shows um and older folks can't necessarily unless they got their boosters um even the fact that we have boosters here is like amazing um so it feels amazing and wonderful and good but also slightly strange because it's like i'm living this one life playing shows but there are also people that like can't even leave their houses still and and so that is always kind of nagging at my conscience just because i did come from that background of being at home with my dad and like you know, literally not leaving the house for, for a year and a half because like, okay, what's more important, my career or the health of my family. And so now being able to enjoy myself again, it's like, it almost feels like I don't deserve it in a weird way. It's like, this is too good to be true. Um, but it's really, really good. It just, it's so nice to be back. Yeah. I feel like grateful has a new meaning now, you know, yes. I, I, you know, it's uh, like, I work from home now and I was, I was able to transition from what I did you know, and my daily lifestyle to work from home, take care of my parents, you know, you know, and, um, of, and here's the thing, dogs and like pets at home, this is the time of their lives, you know, they love seeing their owners yeah. all the time. That's, that's the plus side of all of it. Yeah, yeah. It, it's, it's definitely, I mean, you nailed it right on the dot. I think it's, uh, you, you, we have a newfound appreciation for not only the live music scene, but just everything as a whole. And yeah. a lot of people have shown their true colors and mm-hmm. uh, something to point out is, uh, by the way, I'm, I'm glad you're doing well. You know, it's it's I think mental health is very important. I mean, I've had, uh, you know, if you think about a country like Australia, for example, you know, they're still you know, it, you don't know what's going on. They're getting they're still going through lockdowns and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. Uh, even up up north in Canada, they're still like, you know, in a further like we're ahead of most of these countries. And that's something to keep in mind. You don't want to just. Yeah. Uh, jump too far ahead you want to make sure you're showing appreciation for everything that's been happening but anyway the the thing i want to ask ask about is you've seen this for the last year and a half and a lot of the artists what they've been doing is live streaming right they usually do what they're on the stage they're taking it to the screen obviously Mm -hmm. these interviews would be in person right (laughs) but you know with the amount of you know uh shows that you play the the reception you've seen from the fans your friends coming out on these shows keep this in mind as i'm asking this you know do you think that what we all saw 
during the rise of the quarantine induced live streaming, is that going to affect the touring musician business going forward once we enter, you know, 2022 and beyond? Like, has it already been affected? Do you still see bands and artists doing something like live streaming as the hmm. norm? Yeah, I mean, I think live streaming is an amazing thing. It just, it kind of makes live music more accessible for a lot more people. Mm -hmm. um, and so I just like, you know, recently sent out a kind of an Instagram story to my followers being like, I did a live stream with this um, outlet called B Drop and they do these like weekly live streams that are really fun. Um, and yeah, and, and quite a few people tuned in and really enjoyed it. And um, I was like, huh, I because I was doing a live stream once a month pretty much all throughout the pandemic and was kind of trying out the new songs that I was writing. How was uh, that? It was amazing. Yeah, I loved it. And like, I really like my my dad, my mom featured in them sometimes. My dog was in them every time. And it was just like me at home playing my little acoustic guitar and finally felt like I had a community around my music again in a way that I just didn't have at all um, like that year, obviously. And um, so I kind of I stopped doing them when I started playing live shows, going to live shows, moved to New York, everything like that. But I think there's something to be said for live streams. Like a couple of my friends were like, oh, I can't make your show because I'm out of state or, you know, I can't for these various reasons. But could you live stream it? Could somebody live stream it from the concert? And I'm like, I don't know if I have any friends that want to just sit there with their phone the whole time live streaming. But it is a good idea. Like, I think that it makes sort of music more accessible. But on the same token, like you pay to go to a show and that's how I make a living, you know, at least as a musician. Very true. And so like it's it's wonderful how accessible it is but also like if you're able to go to a show and you're one of your favorite artists is touring like go support your favorite artist you know like i really it's it's really nice to have touring come back but um yeah it's it's definitely a balance I, it's it's mm -hmm. interesting seeing how it's all playing out now because i know some people that are still just doing live streams and other people that just forgot about them altogether as soon as they started playing shows again and i'd kind of like to do a mix still yeah and accessibility i, I want to stress that because here's the thing my i have friends who purposely don't go to shows because there's that social anxiety that sets in you know that the claustrophobia mm. whatever it is you want to call it but being around large spaces and crowds and stuff like that i totally get that but yeah. live streaming that's something they benefited off of they would yeah. ask me hey sonny did you see uh uh you know i don't know uh red hot chili peppers for example like they did this live streaming event i don't know if they did i'm just saying did, yeah, uh, you know, it's like, oh no, I didn't see it. They actually, yeah, I've never seen them live before, and I can't believe I've never been to a show. I'm like, oh, that's pretty cool. I went to the Metallica live stream uh, uh, last year here in Dallas. Yeah. You know, they did the for one week, and I don't know if you knew knew that, but they did it at every drive, at every like drive-in, one oh. of the major cities. They did it for one weekend, and I didn't yeah. know if I was gonna go or not. But it, it, it was my first ever Metallica experience, and I've never seen yeah. Metallica live before. But seeing them do the live thing in person, it, it really, I gained a new perspective, so to speak, mm -hmm. you know, and a lot Absolutely. of people like the friends that I mentioned, they, they would benefit off of that. So I think mental health is another thing to point out. I feel mm -hmm. like we could go into this rabbit hole even further and further, but because yeah. with this live streaming, I, I feel like it can be beneficial to other people who, you know, even other countries who may not have access to yeah no absolutely live, so yeah and i have a lot of friends in the uk because i'm half british and i grew up there i went to oxford yeah. for 
there and I studied there. And so I have a lot of friends in the UK who are like, can't obviously come to any of my shows. I'm not trying to tour Europe right now, you know, like I'm not getting on a plane. <laughs> and so it's, um, yeah, it's really nice for them too. And it's, it really does create a space that everybody can come together and support. And, and, and for the money stuff too, it's like, you can always do like a Venmo tip jar and like yeah. even get the comments and stuff. Like, I've done that. <laughs> yeah, no, same. Yeah. I always try to support no matter what the, what the context is. So I, I love a live stream. They're really great to see. Yeah. And uh, I mean, well said for everything that you said, you know, because I've had many talented people like yourselves come on here and tell me, yeah, I would love to do live streaming. It still gives me a chance to engage with my fans and other people would say, oh, I'm not doing anything until all this is over, you know? So it's like, there's always that uncertainty going forward. It's like, well, here's the thing. We're still in the middle of a pandemic. So adapting to what's happening, I feel like you and me have done a good job of that. You know, I think it's it's yeah. a good learning point to uh, take off of now. Uh, Jim, I'm going to switch gears here a bit because before we dive back into the music itself, again, I feel like we have come full circle here after a year of working together technically. Yeah. I can personally testify to my listeners out there that, you know, having worked with Gemma, uh, she is insanely good at her job. She's a junior publicist over at Tell All Your Friends. She's a humble professional. She's efficient. And she's, my perspective, she's everything you want in a PR person. And and uh, at this point, we're friends at this point, you know, talking to someone yeah. like you and you're a fun person to work with and you make it fun. There's a big difference. So yeah. thanks to you, Gemma, normally I'm interviewing people in bands, as we talked about earlier, and all my listeners know what they do. Um, but just so everyone knows, though, Gemma, can you give my listeners a quick description of what a PR does for their artists? You don't necessarily need to tell me everything that you do. But what is the goal of companies like Tell All Your Friends? Yeah, so so we're a PR agency, which means um, we're representing artists, um, a whole variety of artists, independent artists, artists signed by label. I'm mainly working with indie artists. Um, and essentially... Great indie artists, by the way. <laughs> thank you very much. Yeah, I love my clients. They're amazing. Um, they astound me every day. Um, and they're a dream to work with. Um, basically, we're the middlemen between artists and the big publications that you're probably reading or have heard of you know if you see an artist on the cover of vogue if you see somebody written up in rolling stone if you mm. see a review in pitchfork typically a rolling stone writer and a pitchfork writer aren't just finding those independent smaller artists and being like oh i like them i'm gonna write about them and put on the internet that's a publicist usually doing that job i mean sometimes sometimes people get viral and, and artists just blow up on their own and then music writers you know find them but typically the publicist is somebody who's pitching artists, no matter how big they are, like, you know, Phoebe Bridgers has an amazing publicist and she's in all these incredible magazines and like is still relevant and is still getting crazy press like a year after Punisher came out. That's PR. And that's like the magic of PR too. It's, it's, it's making things relevant and it's, you know, just highlighting how incredible the artist is um, for all the different reasons that they are, because there's so many artists out there there's so many bands out there that are so amazing and sometimes you just need somebody to advocate for yourself and that's kind of my job so i'm i'm advocating for artists i'm sending them to people that i think would be a good match i guess we're a middleman we're kind of a professional hype people and also i don't know it's like almost a matchmaking job too it's like finding people that i think would vibe with other people at the end of the day yeah. like the artists that's that so I, important <laughs> yeah it's all about vibe and like energy too it's like I've sent you people that I thought you would like personally, you know, and, and at least music that you would like or personalities that would match together, especially for an interview. So important. 
Um, and yeah, it's just kind of figuring out who's going to match well, who's going to like it and, and going from there. And it's, it's a really fun profession. You know, I didn't really expect to get into it. Um, I ended up in it and have learned so much from working as a publicist. And shout out to, uh, obviously you, Kip and Kyra, everyone else out there on, uh, tell all your friends, yeah, um, uh, we're, we're going to touch base on this again, because I'm getting my degree in PR. So I may have to, I may come back to you for advice on that going forward. Yeah, how absolutely. did you know, Gemma, how did you get into PR? Yeah. I mean, I kind of knew that I wanted to work in the music industry because I couldn't imagine working in another industry, if that makes sense. Same. Like I knew that I wanted to pursue music professionally. Um, and I love music. I love everything about it. it. Really, it's the reason I get out of bed in the morning. It's what I'm thinking of before I go to sleep. It's the reason why we connected. It's the reason why we connected. It's the reason I have so many friends I do now. Like music has fueled me and nourished me my entire life. And so I couldn't imagine not working with artists. You know, I just I just knew I wanted to do that. Yeah. Um, and I've, I've done a couple internships in the past in music management and like music marketing. I took some music marketing classes at Berkeley online over the pandemic, actually remotely, which learned I learned a lot from. Um, and yeah, I, I, and I kind of ended up in a internship at Terrorbird Media. Do you know Terrorbird? I think it I don't think a reason I think I ran across it at some point. I don't know. If it probably was, I, I think I will hear about it considering. Yeah, here yeah. we are. It's yeah. this amazing like multi-service music agency that works with artists in radio promotion, sync licensing. They have a huge publishing department. They work with all these incredible artists. Like they worked with Mac DeMarco, Lucy Dacus, Tom Berlin, oh, wow. Flower. Wow. Yeah, all the big indie artists have basically gone through Terrorbird. They're incredible and they're amazing people too. So I ended up doing a radio promotion internship through them and then kind of just stumbled upon, which incredible experience, learned so much. Um, and then afterwards, I was just kind of looking through to see where people are now who used to work at Terrorbird. Cause I was like looking for jobs and music industry is so like people based. It's all about like who you know and stuff. And I'm not, I mean, I wasn't like the most well-connected person. I mean, I was living at home too. It's not like I was going out and schmoozing at a bar in Brunswick, Maine, let alone during a pandemic. Um, so I was kind of like on my LinkedIn fiending. I was just on there, like looking people up and I found Kira Wu, who's incredible. Shout out to her. And Is it I Kira? Just, have I been saying it the wrong way the whole time? Oh my God. I've been saying Kyra. Oh no, sorry. It's Kira Wu for the record. It's Kira Wu. I'm sorry, Kira. I love you. That's sorry okay. About that. Shout out to Kira. We love you. Um, <laughs> she's amazing. She's like one of my good friends as well now. Um, but yeah, I didn't know who she was. I thought she seemed really cool. So I reached out to her and I was like, hey, I just want to learn about what a publicist does like what is music pr and we ended up talking on zoom for like an hour and a half and we just like instantly hit it off and she was kind of like you know i kind of need an assistant and i was like um well i'm here and she's like do you want to be my assistant i was like yes and then we kind of just like i was just hired on the spot essentially um i learned who you know who you know that's what that is yeah and it was just like i mean i swear to god all, all music industry stuff is just taking initiative and like especially as a woman in the industry too it's like People aren't typically just gonna give me things. I have to like really just keep hustling until I get things. Um, and so it was a question of like reaching out to a ton of people on LinkedIn, like, you know, searching people up, looking up what their backgrounds were, like seeing where they'd worked, seeing what I could, you know, like connect with them about. And it's, yeah, it's all about reaching out to people and just forming relationships on your own, which is like, you can't just be given. I mean, I guess there is some nepotism in the industry, but like I've never been like given anything. Like, nobody in my family works in the music industry. Like I just sort of had to 
reach out to a lot of people. Um, And then the tell all your friends thing kind of came together. And I guess I've been here for around eight months now. By the time this comes out, maybe more like nine months, which is wild and um, have met some amazing people and learned a whole lot. Yeah. Uh, Shout out to all your friends again. Sorry, Kira. (laughs) I've been been just Kira's been such 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 an awesome person. I probably I I know I wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for Kira. Kira has been um, you're not only do you have the best clients, you also have the best people you're working with and Kira is mm-hmm. right up there and some Absolutely. of the best publicists I've worked with Kira's Kira ah loved a uh, shout out to Kira seriously yeah, um, yeah. She's, she's a great human being too yeah just, and, and I'm and I'm glad you guys connected I hope that that's a connection that you guys can keep going on you know keep it going you know in the long run you know mm-hmm. everything you're telling me it's definitely been a an interesting time for not just a lot of publications but you know aside from tell all your friends a lot of other publications you know, uh, these music outlets, the journalism, especially in this last year or so with the pandemic, you know, Gemma, you joined at a very interesting time. You know, this is technically, yeah. you, I feel like you joined a year after the pandemic came into play. Yeah, but, I did. You know, what new things, I, I begin to think like what new things has your company taken in during the pandemic that maybe you can carry with you going forward, you know, because it's definitely a learning experience, a lot of hurdles that I know my publication has to go through, you know, I didn't realize I'd be doing podcasts back in March yeah. of 2020, you know, and here yeah. we are, and we've, we've yeah. really taken, made the best of the situation, you know, mm-hmm. it's not the best for everyone, but we did what we could. Um, I wonder what was it like for you? Like knowing, Hey, I'm joining, I'm joining this PR firm, you know, and we're in the middle of a pandemic. What are we doing to adapt to this? Hmm. take with us going forward i know a loaded question but i feel yeah. like it's an important one to put out there for the you know at least for the listeners absolutely i mean i didn't really know what i was signing up for to be perfectly honest like i didn't really know honestly i still don't know what pr entails not in a pandemic because i was hired in march 2021 it's like a different uh, lifetime right like if you think about march yeah. of 2020 it's like man i live that lifetime like what what is that i know, you know? it's gonna be like before covid and after like bc and ac it's like it's <laughs> that's, just, that's like, exactly what i was telling my brothers like everything we talk about we, it, we're gonna have to ask ourselves wait was that before covid or, or after oh, okay there's this like there's, there's that era now we have to make sure it really is it's massive life changing for every single person Sometimes i'm on the subway and i'm like every single person was affected by this like and or I just look at the news and i'm like that news anchor was affected by this or just like mm-hmm. every single person is affected by this which is so it's a universal collective level of trauma which is crazy like, yeah yeah um, but um but i could go on a, a whole rabbit hole about that but the music pr scene is very different now than it was from what I've been told before um, the pandemic hit. And I actually learned that a little bit through some of my clients who maybe are used to getting some more press. Um, Like I think a lot of people the press industry and the landscape of the PR world looked really different before the pandemic because there are more people that are employed. I know a lot of writers that were laid off during the pandemic. Some really close friends were too um, because some outlets can't stay afloat. And a lot of people aren't getting paid to do music writing or podcasts anyways, because that's typically, you know, that's a norm in the music industry, unfortunately. Um, and so a lot of people lost their jobs. There's a lot more competition because there's still a lot of artists making music. And um, so it's it's kind of tough out here. And I think that's why, like, starting off in the height of the pandemic, like, it was sort of, I just got used to it. I was like, okay, I'm going to have to work really, really hard to lock down anything for an artist because like, it's really, really hard to get press these days. Um, but then it sort of developed my work ethic as well, because now I'm just used to working twice as hard as, 
you know, everybody else did before the pandemic. Um, and I think that'll continue on, you know, even after things start to look quote unquote normal again. Um, and it also just gave me an appreciation for, I don't know, just, just the artists that I'm working with and for the writers and for the people making podcasts like you, um, who are just doing it and doing it because they love it and doing it because they just have a passion for music and they want to be here and they want to talk to these artists and even online on zoom like they're not doing it to get the free concert tickets and you know whatever it's like they're just doing it because they love it and i think that's why we're all in it at a, at a certain point like nobody yeah. in the music industry is actually making that much money um i mean i, I guess apart from people at the very top um and so it just i don't know it's it's become a real trial of of how hard I can work and like my passion to this and my commitment to this. And yeah, it's, it's, it's been humbling in, in a lot of ways. Yeah. And uh, a lot of artists, you know, we were talking about artists, you know, during the pandemic, a lot of bands couldn't even, they had to stop, you know, because yeah. they needed to make income somehow. They, they kind of had mm -hmm. to just stop being a band. And that's one of the worst things to see. Yeah. Um, gosh, my mind is racing right now because you nailed a, a lot of a lot of good points, you know, uh, making the best of the situation. Again, I don't mean to sound like a, a broken record, but, you know, we've been doing that. And it's uh, uh, it's good to see that people like you are doing what you're doing. We're able to still, you know, do what we love to do. You know, we're in the music business. We're not here to make money. Yeah. Like you said, people are at the top, you know, yeah. uh, like all the other bands, they're going to do what they're going to do. But it it is it really shows you know, how much dedication you have to your craft, like putting the music out there. Mm -hmm. I, I begin to think also you're a musician and a publicist. I wonder if that's a benefit for someone like you, you know, because mm -hmm. putting the music out there, it's like, now you get to see what happens inside the industry. Yeah. That was, that, I wonder. Yeah. That was massively helpful. I will say like, just for like context and just like understanding the business behind it, because it is a business. Like, mm -hmm. Something else I forgot to mention earlier. Sorry, I feel like I cut you off. What were you about to ask? <laughs> no, I, I was. I, I, I think. I, no, it was just. It was just between being a journalist and a musician. I think it's a benefit for someone like you, knowing that you kind of you work in both departments. Mm. You know, it's, it's mm -hmm. a, I, I would imagine, right? It's it's a yeah. big benefit for you. Yeah, it just it, it it definitely taught me a lot about how to treat music as a business, not just as a passion project. Um, and I think that like if. I were to give advice to younger me or to any you know up and coming artist rising artist somebody wants to break into the scene yeah. um like i guess my advice would be like treat it like a business because it is one and like really treat the people that you work with with respect and like respect their time respect like how much effort they're putting into it you know bring people on board to support you because it's really hard to do it on your own and like i guess like choosing the right people to work with and like really respecting your art and in, in giving it enough time for the release too. like i wrote a lot of these songs over a year ago and i think younger me would have just put them out on bandcamp or something and there's definitely a magic to that i love the immediacy of like making a song and just sharing it with the world that feels really fulfilling and wonderful that was a lot of what i was doing on my first album but kind of working in pr and taking those music marketing courses at berkeley um, and I also read a bunch of books on it over the pandemic. I was doing a lot of research on like, okay, how am I actually going to pursue music as a career and not just like kind of do it and do open mics and whatever. And I think the difference is, and I see this in my clients too, like people that are doing really well um, are people that really put a lot of thought into it, a lot of time into it and leave enough time for releases. That's a huge one. Like you can't record an out like a, a single and expect to like get press if you're putting it out a week from when you're like mastered it. Like you need like months mm. in advance of like 
time to put everything together, get planning music and all that. Yeah, to plan around it and really, and I think respecting the art means giving it space to breathe and like enough time. Um, one of my biggest pet peeves as a publicist is people that come to me who are like, I'm putting out a single next week, get me Rolling Stone. I'm like, no, it does not work like that. <laughs> it's like it, minimum, I need the assets in my hand and then minimum three weeks, but more like, you know, months out would be ideal. So because it's like, you got to respect people's time, you know, yeah. and like it, and that means the time of music writers allotting time in their schedule to interview you or write about it, the time of the publicist to like juggle everything and like find you like some you know space in their schedule to pitch and everything it, it takes time to like really put out a release and put it, make it right and and give it to people um and give them time to listen to it and i think that's not something i learned until i started doing pr as well and it's really shifted my perspective as an artist yeah Gemma lawrence the publicist and that's that is very important I, i'm really glad you really shared all that that's that's imp important information not for people out there but even for someone like me who's even entering the field you know yeah um uh Real quick, how often do you think about your life over in England? Do you ever look back mm. on that often? Yeah, I do. I mean, I used to have a British accent as a kid. Like, I've, I'm very, I very much identify with being like half British. Um, yeah. I grew up there for a couple of years. My dad's from the UK, um, and he's a professor at Bowdoin College. I don't know if you know Bowdoin. It's in Maine. I don't. Um, it's like small liberal arts school. Um, okay. But he did like two sabbaticals when I was a kid. And so I lived in, I, I was born in Boston, moved to Maine when I was a little kid and then spent my first grade in London, moved back to Maine, like with a British accent. Everybody's like, what's going on? I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> and they'd be like, oh my God, you sound like Hermione. I'd be like, I literally don't, I don't know. Like, I don't understand. Like, why is everybody looking at me like this? Like, why is everybody just like- <laughs> You still like, got it though, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> I can put it on, you know? Um, and then I moved to Oxford. So I was back in, in, in the States and then I moved to Oxford for a year in fifth grade. Yeah. And then I moved back again to the States. And then I spent my year abroad at Oxford again. And so I've spent a lot of time there and I have a lot of, like half my family lives in the UK and like Bath and Bristol and, and outside London. Um, and it really does feel like a second home to me. I mean, I miss England when I'm away from it and I miss the States when I'm in England. And I mean, I really am never really sure where I'm going to end up because it feels so much a part of who I am. And I, yeah, and it's like some of my best friends live there still. And it's, it's just like in many ways, a much better place to live than America, I think. Um, and um, have you no. thought about, you know, going back? Yeah, I mean, I definitely have. Um, I've spent a lot of summers there and a lot of like Christmas there and living there for like 18 months. So I studied abroad at Oxford um, and was like enrolled there as a student. Um, it wasn't like a study abroad program where I was an American, like kind of living at Oxford. It was like I was enrolled at Oxford and I did like, you know, the exams and the tutorials and the lectures and stuff and right. made a lot of really close friends. And I stayed the summer afterwards and worked in London in the music industry um, at this place called Sound Diplomacy. And I just fell in love. And it's always been kind of a pipe dream for me to move back there just because London is the most like, it's so beautiful. Like there's just like more green space than New York and there's still so much stuff going on. And I have British citizenship. And so it's always been like a, hmm. Oh man. Maybe down the line. It's like you have all the reasons to move back. Well, we got to say hi to, hi to each other in person before you do that. If any case, uh, London is one of my, oh, London, is it like near London or is it, are you going to be in, is it London, UK? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. London well, and like I spent some time in Oxford too, but London yeah. is right. Yeah, UK is one of my destinations I want to go to. Um, 
Go. So, so. Any recommendations? Hit me up. Oh gosh, you know that's coming your way. Um, <laughs> and uh, so, so uh, something I want to you know get into is um, I was going to ask about Maine because Maine was like one of uh, that's like a, a state I really want to visit. You know, mm -hmm. do you do you look back? on your, you know, your time in Maine as like, kind of like a fond memory. I know you spent a lot of time alone, just in isolation. I know you had your parents there. Yeah. If you were to look back on your life in Maine, it's like, is it fond memories? Or it's just like, you know what? That was just a different lifetime. I probably don't even want to revisit it. I know <laughs> I, I, know I have, I, everyone has that thing mm. that you don't want to revisit. I have my own, but mm. I'm not saying Maine is, but you know, considering I mean, what you've said about your time in, over, you know, across the pond like I feel like yeah. what is it like in Maine like if I were to visit Maine like you know would you be like oh yeah Sonny you're gonna love it there <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah I mean yes is what I would say I, I adore Maine I mean okay. like it really does feel like it's like England slash Oxford and London and then also Maine or like home okay. in a very cool sense to me um in a lot of ways and I mean Maine is just the, one of the most beautiful places I've ever been like I live on the coast and so it's like I think it has the longest coastline of any state in the, um, in the, not including Alaska and Hawaii, but yeah, okay. what's that called? Like the co continental? No. Like peninsula? No, like the, the, uh, the United States without Hawaii and Alaska. <laughs> I'm blanking. North, North America? I don't know. <laughs> no, <it's> not, <laughs> um, con okay. I'm, we're going to edit this out later. People are going to get like, so mad in the comment section. They're probably <laughs> even, they're probably saying it. it's that word. Say it. Yeah. Like, obviously, I, can't, I don't I can't even, I can't even think about it right now. I'm not going to pull up Google, you know, like <laughs> it, it's got like the longest coastline of any state in America besides Alaska and Hawaii. Um, and it's, so there's this jagged, beautiful coastline um, of peninsulas and islands. And there's all this, like, it's almost like, it looks like Scotland in some places too, or like Nova Scotia with these yeah. like, rocky cliff edges with this like Atlantic Ocean just like battering up against it these tall pine trees there's like so much greenery in the state there's like way more trees than there are humans and I love that about it and I, I mean at my heart I'm kind of I mean I love humans too but um like at my heart I'm like such a nature kid I grew up going on hikes I did like a lot of like long backpacking and canoeing trips growing up and even into high school and stuff. And it was just a huge part of, of my identity and, and growing up there, it was just outside the whole time, like rolling in dirt. Um, and I mean, I lived in a small town called Brunswick, um, which is kind of like half an hour outside of Portland. And I went to school in Portland and commuted back and forth, but you know, I just spent so much time out in nature and I absolutely adored it. And, and there is a decent like restaurant, like, nightlife music scene happening in portland as well um which is where i went to school so i, I mean i went to so many concerts as a high schooler like i didn't go to any parties because i wasn't cool and i like didn't drink in high school and <laughs> so I, just, like, I feel like we would have been like bffs in high school because totally. i didn't do any of that it was just going to shows yeah literally i was just like i was just trying to get into college you know like and just like not have any like record of anything and so i'd go to shows instead and so like multiple times a month, I'd be going to the State Theater in Portland, and I saw like Regina Spector, like Ingrid Michaelson, like wow. Head in the Heart, like three times, Gregory Allen Isaacoff, like all these artists that have been so massively influential to me as an artist, like were people that I just went to see with my friends, like growing up. And it just, I, I love Maine. It has this perfect balance of really lovely coastal cities like Portland, um, but also just so much beautiful nature as well. You gotta go. If you're there, let me know and I'll give you all the tips. I'll, I'll show you around. 
I already have this uh, mental list in my head. I'm going to reach out to Gemma for this, 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 uh, at least from like, from all the pictures that I've, I've seen, I have some friends who visited that area. It's, I mean, good Lord, it's trees or I mean, beaches, waves. Like it's just like that. I feel like that would give me a sense of isolation that I would need. You know, mm. it's like Texas, you don't really get that. Everything is like, you turn around, you look around, like everything is like around you, you know, it's just, <laughs> it's like, yeah. you know, you don't really get that sense of, I don't know that needed isolation. I know we've been in isolation for like the last like year and a half, but you get what I mean. Um, But so we talked about Maine. We talked about uh, London. We talked about everything except Adrian. Let's get to that. Let's get to it. Yeah. uh, Spirit fingers, right? Um, So the new (laughs) single Adrian dropped October 15th. And uh, uh, like I said earlier, this is technically, you know, the first single off of your second album that's due out in spring of 2022. Mm-hmm. I want to repeat the words here, Gemma. Second album. Before we get into the core of this single and and the and the new music you have coming up, this is the follow up to 2019's Crooked Heart, which yeah. I actually went back and listened to that. Ooh, the and I, abso- I, I, abso- I absolutely love that. If you were to release a debut, that's how you do it. And this is this was at least from what I heard of the new music, it was just a perfect compliment uh, mm. to that album. I begin, I begin, I begin to think about this. You know, you have the debut album out right was there any such thing as i don't know pressure for you Gemma, when you decided to sit down and write again for a new album or even just a follow-up considering this is that you know what do we call it the sophomore slump right people that, that's <laughs> like the loosely loose term that gets thrown around a lot you know that we so mm-hmm. often hear has that ever creeped into your head or like just pressure you know because you have the debut album out, debut album yeah. out it's like you know what screw it this is what i wanted to do now i get to write about what i really want to do yeah, I mean the sophomore sample was so real. I think. I mean, to be to be self critical for a second, um, like I do feel like I mean I am proud of my first album in a lot of ways. I think it like epitomized who I was at that time when I put it out, and like a lot of the songs were ones I wrote when I was in college or in high school. Even um, they were very kind of reactive songs. Like something would happen to me, and I'd be like, "Oh my god!" And I'm such a big feeler. I have such really big feelings. You probably see it on my face. I'm always like raising my eyebrows and making huge expressions. People typically think I mean more than what I'm saying because I'm always like, "Oh my god!" <laughs> and so that's how I write music too. Um, it's just like with so much heart and so much feeling. And that is what my first album felt like. It was very intense and very reactive, and a lot of like. I've been betrayed or I've been heartbroken or I'm deeply in love. And I think my more recent songs that I've written are a bit more contemplative and reflective in a way that reflects who I am now in more of a real sense. Like I definitely don't feel as dramatic now as I was back in the day, but, but that's not to say the songs are less dramatic. It's just like, they have a different quality to them, a different type of them that feels a bit more mature to me. And like, you know, like, it's really nice to hear that you enjoyed Crooked Heart because I listen back on it now and I guess this is like a common thing for artists, but I'm like, oh man, like I could have produced that better. I could have made that, I, the songs could have been better. Like, I, I don't know. And like, and I like was so embarrassed to send people my music like recently because I was kind of like, oh, well, like my new stuff isn't out yet. Don't check out my music. Cause like Adrian isn't out yet. Or like my album isn't out yet. So it's not representative of my work um, because I do feel like my new stuff is the big step up from, from where I came from. Not least just because like, I spent a lot more time on it and like was a lot more intentional about the arrangements and got a lot more people on board. And that in itself, I think brings so much magic to it. Um, so I didn't feel like a ton of pressure to 
because I guess also there's nobody breathing down my neck too. I'm an independent artist. Like nobody's like, you need to make an album that sells this amount. It was kind of just me trying to make an album during the pandemic mm -hmm. um, that sort of came naturally together. But I do feel like it captures my growth as an artist. And I'm still like Crooked Heart has a fond spot in my heart just because the songs mean a lot to me. But some, I can't really listen to it anymore. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, I'm just like, oh, I get so cringy. <laughs> I, I, I think that's that's OK, because uh, I was going to say, because, for example, someone like me, like I hate going back and listening to myself talk in podcasts like I hate oh, it. Really? Like, it's like, oh, my God, does that yeah. how I really sound? But but it, I think it really shows Crooked Heart really shows the growth in your musicality. I think it's. Mm -hmm you probably wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for that, you know, yeah. that's another thing. And if you weren't critical of yourself, that I say that's a good thing because if you, yeah. if, you if you if you're critical that's a good thing because maybe you don't care about your work. If you weren't critical, it wouldn't it'd be boring, you know? Yeah. I'm my, I'm my own worst critic and that's that's I don't want to say healthy, but that's like it's productive. It helps you get to mm -hmm. it just means you want to better yourself. The next yeah time. that's so true and i've definitely battled with that like i know a lot of artists do too and like yeah like they just, probably won't even mention it though you know yeah no that's uh, true like i i definitely like you're always your worst self's worth crit or you're always yourself's worst critic is that a sentence yeah, that, yeah it is now <laughs> i am myself's worst critic in a huge way like i yeah i don't know I, I i'm constantly sort of like in my head like oh this isn't quite good enough or like oh you can probably do better than that or like mm, i'm not sure if that was the best performance and stuff and I, i'm i'm working through it honestly it's 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 real, you know, I, and I've talked to other artists and other people about it. Um, I think also, yeah, I mean, in a lot of ways, it's like, I do feel like being a woman in the music industry and like having to prove myself kind of constantly and like not feeling like anything's sort of going to be given to me makes me like really, really work hard to advocate for myself. But like the amount of times I've been like rejected or beaten down by it is like definitely not helpful on the on the whole self esteem thing. But it's just about that's like what it means to be an artist. You know, it's like you just have to be able to handle that, take it with a stride and, and just keep going. And I think that like as self critical as I am internally, I do commend that I keep going. Like, I think that that's I have endurance. I'm going to just keep doing this because yeah. I love it, you know? Yeah. And I think it's uh. I mean, we had to really, you know, at least for me, I had to really, you know, kind of battle my way through where I am today. I mean, I wouldn't be here today if it wasn't if it wasn't for music. You know, that's mm -hmm. a big part of my life. We talked about it, how music is is what we do. It runs in our blood. You yeah. Know, and with this new album, I'm not going to mention it, the name, obviously, you know, that I, I got to say, because this was quite the follow up to Cricket Hard. You had this uh, unique way of storytelling which i wish most singer songwriters would do i wow, because you. you know i because with adrian you know i felt like i was in that bed at 6 a.m watching the mm -hmm. sunlight on the walls smelling the coffee on the yeah on the stuff, which i love coffee you know it's like we uh, love coffee for it you know every <laughs> every song captured on this uh, um, i mean on this album it captured that atmospheric tone it was mm -hmm. poetic it was emotional in the midst of all the chaos that's happening in my personal life and you know this already I never knew that this new music that you put out is what I needed to hear. Like, really? like I trust, I trust the singer to take me through this moment. You know, mm -hmm. it that's yeah. where it got me. And there's so much stuff being thrown at us these days with this music. You don't really know what to listen to. You know, it's yeah. And, and um, you really have something special happening here. I'm not. I'm throwing all a lot. I'm not done yet, by the way, because you oh fuse you fuse these sounds of you know these rich harmonies. Your your transcending vocals. And acoustic guitar melodies 
And I know you've been compared to other artists like, uh, what is it, uh, Joni Mitchell or Marling, Courtney Marie Andrews. But this makes you stand out from that crowd, I think. <laughs> if I ever found a soundtrack for the month of October, I think I found it. And Oh, yeah? Oh, and, wow. And, and, and coming from someone like me, who listens to a lot of like heavy underground music, my listeners are like, what the heck? Who is this? You know, <laughs> uh, uh, you know walk me through this, Gemma. You know, how much mm -hmm. did things change from when you, you know, first started composing on this album, this new album, or even Adrian, to where you ended up finishing it? Did a lot change in between? Did nothing change? Did you already have a specific sound in mind? Yeah, I mean, that's a really good question. I mean, the process of making this album was a whole a whole thing that was entirely new to me. I mean, in the past I'd written songs and I was working with one artist and engineer in my hometown called Judd Caswell to record everything. And we, Judd is amazing. He did an incredible job with just like, I literally just performed into a microphone, like yeah. a vocal mic and a guitar mic. And I just played the songs and, and then we put them on the album um, after like some mixing and mastering and stuff. And this was a lot more of an intentional process and that I mean, like, I was thinking more about arrangements when I was when I was making the songs, I thought more about space and slowing down sometimes and creating more of a ruminative, ruminative um, space for the songs to exist in. And then I, when I was writing them, it was when I was at home alone in Maine. And so I was, when I was writing them, I would wake up every single morning, I had this ritual, because like, I wasn't doing any, I mean, I had to have like a routine to get myself out of bed every day. Right, and so right. I'd wake up first thing in the morning, and I'd go on this walk nearby my house. And it's this beautiful walk. I'd walk like through this brambled um, path past these farms and it opened up into this forest. And then it was like golden sunlight coming in through the twigs, like in the snow sparkling in the spring, it'd be this like lush moss everywhere. And I'd walk down to the water because um, it was right by the ocean and be in the salt marsh. And I'd see these great blue herons and egrets and terns and all this nature. I saw porcupines from time to time. And I'd record these sounds on my phone to remember it and just be like, and this is when I was writing the songs. Um, there's one song, I guess I can't mention the songs in the album yet because I haven't officially announced it, but there's one that is just like a stomp and clap song throughout the whole thing. And that came from me going on a run and just thinking like, oh, that's a cool rhythm. And then I was exactly thinking what song you're talking about, I think. Yeah. And I was recording <laughs> and I was taking a class in music production at Berkeley at the same time, which is the first time I'd actually dabbled in music production myself. Um, I thought I was going to record the album entirely on my own, on my laptop. Um, and then the other thing that happened was I, I met a couple of guys that helped me make the album who are incredible. First, I met Micah Rubin, um, who's this amazing musician, drummer in this band called The Brazen Youth. And he introduced me to, he listened to my music and we became really good friends. And like, he introduced me to Charlie Dalkey, who's yep. also in The Brazen Youth. And he runs a recording studio called Ashland Recording Company in Lyme, Connecticut, which is also in this beautiful location, like on this old farm um, surrounded by lush nature. And, and Charlie loved it as well. And he's like, would you want to record an album? And I was like, I do have like seven songs and I just need to write like one more. And he was like, let's record it when you have eight songs. And I was like, okay. And, and so then I kind of just went up to, this is like a really long winded answer, but. It's okay, it's okay, this is great. Went up to a cabin in the woods in, in Maine and or in Vermont first and then I moved to Maine um, and just wrote the eighth song in this like surrounded by nature and stuff as I had with all the other songs. And then I was kind of ready to record and, and I and I went out there, it was just like pilgrimage, had to get like an Airbnb. I was out there for eight days and we just like cranked it out and like recorded 
all the drums, all the guitar, all the vocals in eight days, 12 hour days back to back. And it was one of the most intense experiences of my life, but also one of the most beautiful creative processes as well. When was this? How long are we how long ago are we talking? This was right before I started working at Tell All Your Friends. So this was like February of 2021. Oh, so it was this year. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Because because a big part of this new record, even Adrian, you know, uh, it was the sound itself. Because I, I really mm -hmm. love that. It was. I'm an audiophile these days, Gemma. I'm very yeah. picky on how I want my music to sound, the way I want yeah. it to sound. It Same. really gave it an intimate setting, at least at least for me. And it was very. It was it was perfect. It was not overproduced. It was just right. Mentioned mm -hmm. Charlie over at, you know, Ashland Recording Company. I know you had others involved in involved as well but I, I i can tell that you had that sense of comfortability in the studio for you knowing you had someone like charlie working on yeah. this new album the new music yeah absolutely he's amazing i mean i cannot sing his praises enough like <laughs> he's done such great work with the brazen youth like he does a lot of other artists too and he's just like he kind of knew how much space i needed to like and how much i need to get reined in because sometimes i'd be like i can't do it and he's like yes you can we're gonna get it through this you know what i mean yeah you need well, someone like that to push you yeah he pushed me just the right amount and like there are some songs that started out as folk songs and he pushed them in the direction of rock songs and suddenly i made like an indie rock anthem i'm like i've never done that before and that wouldn't have happened oh, without like wrote one of the songs yeah i know exactly what song you're talking about and we can't talk about it but good god we, I, nobody, we will we'll, we'll, we'll save that for for a future for a future discussion you know between, yeah between uh writing and you know structuring the songs and the production process like you just talked about Again, keep this in mind as I'm asking you this. You mentioned how your genre, this is an important one, Gemma, your genre is technically sapphic folk. You know, the yeah. lyricism throughout Adrian and even the the newer music with this with the new album. Adrian is also the first song where you opened up about your queerness, you know, which is mm -hmm. not an easy thing to just put out there into the world. And here you are doing it on such a productive and creative outlet, especially at a time like today, I feel like really resonates, you know, putting yourself out there. You know, mm -hmm. I struggle with that sometimes. I began to think if there was, a, you know, something tangible, like a theme to this new album, like, are, are there a few of them happening here? Because I mentioned that storytelling vibe that you put into this. Yeah. How important are themes to you? I wonder if that helps with the songwriting. Yeah. I mean, like being, I mean, I got to say the whole album is very gay. Like the whole thing is just very queer, very sapphic. Like, because I mean, my first, I mean, I guess comparing against my first album again, I hadn't come out when I put out Crooked Heart. Like I felt like I was outwardly saying I was straight to people. Um, that was just, what, two years ago, right? Yeah, 2019. And like, I didn't really, I mean, I guess to my close friends, I was I, 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 people knew I was queer, um, but you but, didn't, but it wasn't like something that you just comfortably told them. Yeah. Right? It There's wasn't something. an identifying feature of myself. Really. I hadn't really come out yet. Um, because I wasn't openly talking about it. I mean, mm. coming out looks like different to different people, but to me, I didn't really feel like I came out until more recently kind of end of college really. And, um, just like, like around, you know, 2020, I guess end of 2019, 2020. Um, and yeah i just started like telling more people like told my family like you know told everybody and have been embraced with such warmth and loveliness by the queer community and by allies um and so i felt like it wasn't even an intentional decision to write about queerness in my new album but it just happened because it's such a huge part of who i am um and so adrian was this like it was an interesting decision to put it out first out of all the songs because it's such an intimate track it's like waking up next to somebody like next to a woman like a queer this is like a queer 
thing. Experience. Yeah, yeah. Queer experience. And like, who introduced me to Adrian Rich, who's one of the first queer poets that I got really, really into. And she was this massive inspiration behind the whole album and behind Adrian. And so this person who inspired the song um, introduced me to Adrian Rich to this collection of poems called 21 Love Poems. And I found that book in like a used bookstore the day after this date that inspired the, the song. Mm -hmm. And I just like couldn't get enough of it. And I started looking for like all this different Adrian Rich going to all these different used bookstores. I read, like just absorbed all of it because she has this beautiful, intimate, vulnerable way of exploring intimacy in, in the fear of it too. And it's just beautiful. And so it, it was this massive inspiration for me. I'd say the Adrian Rich and a lot of poets like Elizabeth Bishop, um, Frank O'Hara, a lot of queer poets inspired, inspired the album. And they do, as you mentioned, like kind of read like a collection of vignettes or short stories. Um, each of them kind of creates its own little world that largely does explore, you know, femininity and queerness and like my sexuality through the my own experience or the experience of a friend. There's one of the album is named after one of my best friends who came out as trans um, this like in the recent years. And it's largely about and there's one song about her experience and watching her grow and flourish and become herself and like yeah it's just a lot of different experiences of, of femininity and of and of queerness and different ways that looks um yeah. the last song on the album is like a love song for myself i say and um yeah so that's kind of what inspired it and the the thread that tied it all together would you say that you see this new album um i'm, I'm looking at it as a whole Gemma. like do you see it as a You'd be safe to say you see it as a snapshot of where you are in a certain time in your life looking back. Mm -hmm. I would definitely say so. Yeah, it's kind of like and it's interesting because a lot of the songs were about past people from my life. So it felt like I wrote all of them pretty much from like, hmm, I mean, one of the songs I did write like in kind of January of 2020, but most of them were like Oh man, it was such a short time frame. It was kind of like just during the pandemic, essentially, when I was looking back on people that have made a massive impact on me, whether that was friends or family or people I've dated or even just short term, brief, you know, Connect connections, whatever connections it was. Yeah. yeah. And uh, yeah, so they just all feel very nostalgic to me. And I think there's something beautiful to that. You know, I think a lot of the times we, we put a lot of value in relationships based on how long-term they are or like how meaningful or how outward they are. And some of the most impactful relationships and, and moments that I've had in my life have been like short-lived things or people that came into your life for just a short time and then came out again. And so I think a lot of those, the vignettes and Adrian is one of them, looks back on, on one of those experiences and really just like holds it and puts it in its moment in time. And I wanna bring listeners to the moment as well because even though it was my experience, so many people can connect to that feeling of, you know, waking up in the morning and just feeling like amazing and, and watching yeah. the sunlight dance from window to window off the walls and smelling the coffee boil on the stove. And like those shared moments of closeness and intimacy are just so valuable. And so I think that the album is a lot about that. So it does feel very, very vulnerable in a lot of ways. Yeah. Remember what I said earlier about how uh, making the best of a situation, like if like the pandemic allowed you to tap into that part of yourself that you may not been able to tap into before you know it's yeah like like we all grew in a way during the pandemic you were definitely grew when we talked about it and it really shows you know from crooked heart to this new album i i mean 
I felt that. And it was just, it, it, it was, I, I was listening to it at like, I think I was listening to this. Um, uh, I, I mean, I heard it when you sent it to me, right? When, mm-hmm. uh, what is it? A couple months ago. And I went yeah. back and I listened to it again. And it was just, it was just that much more emotional this time around. Cause I'm sitting there like 1am in the morning, just like looking up, just Face, just listening to these tracks just yeah it was, it was very it was very transcending and i really appreciate that i can't wait i can't wait till spring of 2022 i know it's seems like far <laughs> away but technically 20 it'll come up it'll creep up on us it's just what yeah. two and a half months away but yeah you know uh, uh Gemma, we've covered a good amount of ground on this amazing interview not an interview it's just a very fun conversation with a friend really um, truly yeah thank you Love from the bottom of my heart you know we've covered so much, we you know from the different experiences and perspectives, you know, in your timeline that you have taken in, which we have discussed about, you know, performing for as long as you have and the people you have met and worked with during this album, this, this time, including your work as a publicist, you know, your influences, your upbringings, your relationship with your friends, fans, again, this pandemic. And it sounds like you still have much left to put out there with your artistic vision. And mm-hmm. I'm excited to see where you go from here. This is definitely something that you have a passion for. And, and uh, uh, from what I'm saying, you've experienced plenty already in your career. And then some have your, you know, aspirations as an artist, how, as a person, have they changed or evolved since when you first started performing in the industry? Like you see things differently today. Hmm. That's really interesting. That's a good question. Do I see things differently today than I did? I mean, I think I take it more seriously now. Like Mm -hmm. I know that this is something that I'm going to be doing throughout my whole life, no matter what. I I mean, I'm saying that now. Yeah. It just feels like music is such an important part of my life and it always has been. But I think when I put out my first record, I was sort of like, oh yeah, this like, let's let's see what happens kind of thing. Like, who knows? I'm just going to throw it at the wall and see what sticks. And, And this was kind of more like, okay, like I want to do this and I want to do it right. And like, I have seen other artists do it right. And I've seen other friends really succeed. And I've seen other people be frustrated and give up. And I I guess just like having worked with artists, a lot of amazing people and like seeing, you know, who's succeeding and like who's putting in the work and stuff. it's, It's definitely changed my perspective. I keep on talking about putting in the work and like, it's made me more ambitious, I guess. Like, I think that like, sometimes it's hard to step outside of myself and see who I am as a person and what I'm doing. Cause I'm constantly like, I could be doing more. I could be working harder. I could blah, blah, blah. I'm kind of a workaholic. Um, but I had a conversation with my dad recently who I'm really close with. And he was like, I'm just so proud of you. He's like, you're just out there doing it and you're hustling and you like have this great job and you're putting out an album and we're just so proud of you. And I'm bragging about you to all my friends. And I'm like, man like thanks and i hadn't really realized how much work i was putting into it until recently and i've always been a hard worker but i haven't you know put so much energy into my music before and it really does feel like my pr job like working in the music industry and making music as difficult as it is to balance those two things in my life sometimes because they there's some overlap that is like you know rubs up against each other from time to time yeah it it's become my whole life and and it's become this thing that I couldn't imagine myself without. And I think that that, that it feels really significant compared to where I was a couple of years ago. And I'll tell you this much, you really found what, what you're good at. And I hope you stick to it because it serves as an inspiration for someone like myself. I had this moment exactly, exactly like that with my cousin about a month ago really? about, she's like, 
man, I'm really proud of you. You, you started this publication, you know, three years ago, by the way, three years ago to this day, really to this day, to this day, no, October 25th, I have my first ever interview. Um, with, with this with this band called they're from the ukraine i don't know if you know heard of them they're called ginger it's spelled with oh. a j she and it's a her the lead vocalist her name is tatiana and she's like she's an amazing vocalist she's like she's like everybody loves her in like in in the in the hard hard rock music community but my first ever interview was literally three years ago today so wow it, congratulations it, it, it makes that much more meaningful but you know like like my cousin for example she would she would tell me how she's proud of me. I, I, have, I have a job. I'm able to support myself. I'm able to support my family. I'm still doing what I'm doing with a passion because I love to do it. It's not about anything else. Yeah. But you want to be able to get the recognition you deserve. But, and I'm seeing that from you. And as I was listening to the music, I'm just thinking to myself, this girl is a, is a publicist and an amazing artist. And how does she do this? You know, I, I, I kept asking myself and now I'm, I'm talking to you. It's like, I still don't know how you do it. I think it's amazing. <laughs> you know, it's like, it, it's, it's just, it's not that simple because it really takes a lot of hard work and dedication to do what you do, Gemma. And I, I really appreciate it. I really appreciate what you do because the fact that I'm able to connect with you and the fact that I'm able to connect with other people through you, it's, I can't wait till we're going to be talking about this a year from now, two years from now. Yeah, right? truly. And, I know. Uh, hanging out in, in Dallas or in, in Dallas, Maine or, or, or in Brooklyn. I need to go visit New York again. And uh, visit New York, there's so, everything is happening here. I swear <laughs> to God, like everybody just passes through. Like all my friends are like, oh, I'm passing through Brooklyn. I'm like, of course you are. Like, this is a spot. This is like the music capital of the world. I swear it's like everybody ends yeah. up in New York at some point, you know, yeah. I don't have to like, go out of my way to find an artist here. They're, they're already here, you know, or yeah. they're going to pass through. It's, it's just, you should come visit. I, I will come visit. I promise. And uh, I was just in LA a couple of weeks ago, and there is the same thing out there. It's like the opposite size of the of this entire country. Uh, so I can ask. Um, we're going to get to the fun part here. I have to ask. You know Kira better than I do. How yes. the heck is she taking all those photos with those license plates? Oh my god! <laughs> I absolutely love it. I, I'm afraid to ask her, so I'll just ask you. It's like, how do you do it? How do you just go and do it? Because like, it's, it's so creative. Like she should like just create a page where it's just it's just like yeah. it's amazing like, it's, like i it's wonder like my, it's my favorite kira quirk it's not even a quirk it's just like her thing and i think it's, it's who she is it's just who she is yeah it's amazing like so yeah for for listeners kira Wu, my boss also my good friend at tell all your friends takes photos of people's license plates that are like the best like most witty license plates i can't even remember any of them now but like she always gets the best ones people have been sending them into her recently because like people <laughs> attach her with that like it's I'm like gonna have she, to do that now <laughs> yeah she's like this like highly esteemed like much sought after publicist in new york but also like finds the best license plates and i just like love that two things can be true <laughs> you know it's that's like, awesome she just finds um, it i mean i gotta say the first time i hung out with her in person um, because we only met over Zoom for like months. I was working together remotely for like six months. Um, and when I moved to New York, because I only moved to New York in like June. Um, so we got, we were working oh, wow. together at like a cafe. And then she was kind of like, her eyes were like darting around when we we're walking down the street. And I was like, why is she, like, what's she doing? And then she's like, oh, nice. And then she just dashes across the street, pulls out her phone and takes a picture of this license plate that says, I am goat. And I'm like, that is such a good license plate. <laughs> it's like, how did you even see that? Like, that's pretty, that's pretty good. She has got a she's good eye for that. Look out. She's always looking. Come to Dallas. There's this place called Deep Ellum. You're going to find, uh, at least you and Kira, come down here and you'll see a lot of cars. We have these car shows that that happen every weekend. It's insane down there. I don't know how I survived this past weekend, but Kira would 
that's like <laughs> that's going to cater to someone like her she's going to go Man, berserk she'll have to go down and check it out um, she's amazing that way in yeah. many other ways but also but, she can find a license plate yeah so. i need to come at least come up there hanging with you guys in, in brooklyn and come down here in dallas now before i let you go here's this fun part that i was talking about right so i did this with the ladies from alma and they absolutely love this part um, <laughs> i'm gonna do something here called the lightning round what i'm gonna do is i'm gonna go down the list here you're gonna have to think quick on your feet i'm gonna ask you one or the other and you just have to pick Okay. Let's go. Some, some of them are downright just outrageous and hilarious. <laughs> some of them are very simple. Incredible. Uh, I'm here so for it. I, I, I mean, the latest round, they're like, oh my God, this is amazing. Uh, so, so here we go. All right. You ready? For I'm this? ready. Okay. I'm prepared. All right. This is going to be. I'm born ready. Let's see. Red or blue? Red or blue? Yeah. Uh, red. Vegan or meat? Meat. Coffee or tea? Coffee. Cats or dogs? Dogs. Harry Potter or Star Wars? The Harry Potter. Who's your favorite character? Uh, Hermione, because people say I look like her. Kinda. I kind of I knew that. All right. Mexican, <laughs> Mexican food or Italian food? Mexican food. I'm gluten-free. We love Mexican food. Oh, gosh. You, can, corn. you got to come down here and get some of the Mexican food here. because we're. I know. I'm Mexico. making people's rancheras right after this for my roommate. Oh, so All right. Like, I'm going to book, book my flight. I'm coming down there. Um, <laughs> all right. All right. So I was going to ask you the next question, but since you're not technically from uh, Brooklyn, you've been there for just a few months. What have you seen? I guess I was going to ask Yankees or Mets, but... Mm. I mean, to be honest, I'm not a sports person, but I am like a soccer person. My dad's a big like Chelsea football club supporter. So I, I can be like football. <laughs> I like it, you know, I'm a Chelsea football club supporter and that's the only sports teams I follow. Um, and I guess like American women's soccer team, but I don't really, the baseball, basketball it's thing. Football. <laughs> uh, is it football? I don't know. I just like to call it football because it's the way it is. Oh, oh, oh I thought I was like, there's American football. That's a whole different discussion. All right. There's a spider in your house. Do you kill it or set it free? I'm too scared to touch it. So I'll get my roommate to take care of it. I don't know what he does. <laughs> but I had a I had a cockroach in my closet recently. Oh. I like it. It was my first roach experience. I know, guys. First I, have a, we... I have a phobia for those. Oh my god! Terrifying. And I open up my closet, and the, and the roach is there, and I'm like, ah! so I'm freaking yeah. out. And then my roommate is like, "What is it? What is it?" And he's also one of my best friends. Like we went to preschool together and stuff. And I was just like, "Dude, it's a cockroach." He's like, "What?" And I'm like, "No, it's a cockroach." And okay. then he's like, "Oh, I'm gonna touch it." And I'm like, "Oh, I'm gonna touch it." And I'm like, "I'll pay you fifty bucks." Oh. He's like, "What?" <laughs> Hopefully, he's not hearing you right now. And thinks it's a cockroach in your room. Because <laughs> no, 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 no. He just came home too. Um, <laughs> And I was like, I'll pay you 50 bucks. And he's like, really? And I'm like, uh, and I'd oh, already shoot. said yeah. it. Okay. And I was like, uh, and he's like, I mean, I'll do it for 50 bucks. And I was like, yeah, just, just do it. Just do it. And I was like on the, like the couch, like, uh, like just like not talk, like touching it at all. And I was in my like bathrobe, like on the shower and he like gets a jar and is like chasing it all over my bedroom. Uh, the, the shower is the worst place to have it. I have so many traumatic, not so many. I have one particular traumatic experience where a cockroach like flew out of the curtain as I was moving it. And I somehow flew like 20 feet away from the bathroom, like hid behind a couch. I was like, oh my God, I'm going to die. This is like when I was 10 years old, like never again, <laughs> never again. Okay. Terrifying. That's, that's 50 bucks I've ever spent though. To that, that's roaches. So no yeah. to roaches. Um, all right. Uh, hip hop or heavy metal? Uh, hip hop. 
Yeah. Halloween or Christmas? Um, Christmas. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I'm also half Jewish, so I feel like Christmas slash Hanukkah get two holidays in one. So we love that. Oh, there you go. L.A. or Chicago? Never been to either, but I want to go to oh. both. All right, we got a we got a we got a destination plan for you going down the road. All right, I'm here in Texas. Right? Is it pecan pie or pecan pie? Pecan pie. <laughs> All right. right. Well, I don't know. I, I call it pecan. <laughs> Some people no, actually, I think I call it pecan. I don't even know what I call it. It's such a. There's always that debate down here. Is it pecan or did you say pecan? You said pecan, right? I said pe- pecan pie. Okay. But I also say, say things like syrup and and experiment because I'm from Maine. So don't I listen see. to me. I, I, I am listening to you because that's what I say. <laughs> <laughs> All yeah. right. If the Demogorgon from Stranger Things offered to give you a hug, would you accept? No. Oh, so scary. I had to hide my face in a pillow. I was like, I, I was watching my dad over the pandemic. I was like, tell me what I can look. Tell me what I can look. I'm so squeamish. I get so scared. All right. Would you rather be able to speak every language in the world or be able to talk to animals? Mm, every language in the world, I think. I like people. I mean, I love animals too, but you can kind of figure them out by you know what they're looking at at you for imagine speaking every language in the world that'd be incredible that would be pretty incredible i, I when i asked uh, the ladies from alma they were all divided i think one of them said well i can talk to my cats so i guess every language in the world so I'm like, <laughs> hey, if that works go for it all right yeah i think this is the last one uh this is a fun one let's see if let's see if we get this this one always throws people off there's a time machine in front of you it says the destination is Woodstock 99. Do you take the trip knowing what transpires there? Oh, wait, wait, refresh my memory. Wait, Woodstock 99? Yeah, th- that was the one where Fred Durst and Limp Biscuit. there were all those riots, there was fires, there were, there were sexual assaults, like oh my God. happening in the crowd. It like, uh, what is it? Uh, uh, water was overpriced, a lot of dehydration. People died there. Oh my God, wait, what? Yeah. Yeah, I thought the stuff so, only happened like once and it was like it happened in, in it happened in 69 and then 99, I think. So it was kind of like a, a firefly. No, there was there was a 94. There was a Woodstock 94. There's there's only three. But three. like like bands like you know, Limp Biscuit was there, we had chili peppers, Rage Against the Machine, Metallica, Megan, like everything. Um, everything you would want. They even had Atlantis Moore set. They had Damn. I think the cranberries, or I think cranberries is 94, but anyway, it was a three-day festival in New York and it was just chaos. Not a lot of people. Yeah. There's, there's this documentary on HBO Max. I don't know if you have HBO Max called, it covers Woodstock 99 and Woodstock 99 and it dives into those yeah. uh, chaotic experiences. But um, anyway. That sounds like a crazy time. <laughs> I do have HBO Max. My dad has HBO Max and I am watching like three shows on it right now. I love objectively the best streaming platform like agreed i'm watching i may destroy you now it's so good on hbo max um but okay i probably like wouldn't i mean hmm i also i mean would i be the age that i was in the year 94 because i wouldn't be alive then technically well 99 99 okay so two okay so it's like so i've had people ask me like they kind of asked me a question back like okay well would I have like VIP access or <laughs> I, is it a one-way trip or, you know, yeah. it's like, it, it, that's what, it, if they're asking questions like that, that's how you know 
how crazy festivals are because Coachella yeah. Coachella happened a few months after that and Coachella they kind of took notes I feel like they would they took notes oh, on really? what happened at Woodstock 99 and they discovered okay this is what we should not do which yeah. is why you see Coachella happening a lot more yeah as opposed to Woodstock considering Woodstock what happened. was like that was enough thank you yeah. goodbye <laughs> you know, I mean like but I, but I recommend if you get if you get the time watch that documentary because there's, there's a lot of stuff uh, that people don't know about. It's it's as much as ed- educational as it is. Um, wow, I gotta see that. So it was entertaining. As, as like what was that festival that like everybody like flew out to celebs flew out to like fire something not Firefly like uh, fire festival. There's a Netflix and like documentary about it. It's like all these celebs showed up there. Like Kylie Jenner was there and stuff, and they like didn't have. It was like not funded well enough, and so it was a mess. There was like stray dogs and stuff. Was this and, recently? Are you talking like a recent festival? Or yeah, it was like, like in the past like ten years, definitely. In New York? No, 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 no. It was like fire. It was like on a Caribbean island or on an island in the ocean, like tropical. And like there was like these like there's stray dogs play and there were like wasn't enough food and there wasn't like the musicians weren't actually there. It was like all these people like it was like all these A-list celebrities flew out to this island thinking it was gonna be this tropical resort, like, watching all this okay. music. And they like this the guy who ran it was like I think a con artist or something. And he like put more, he invested money into it that he didn't have. And he just like stole a ton of money from people and wasn't actually able to pull it off and got all these like migrant workers to like work for nothing underneath them. It was like messed Whoa. up. Yeah. That, sounds, so just, that may be even more messed up than Woodstock now. <laughs> I know. I wouldn't go back to either of those. I hate chaos. <laughs> like I like to have be in control of things. So I feel like I would not do so well at like, a very chaotic music festival. I honestly get stressed at music festivals sometimes. Like in huge crowds of people, I'm like not that happy. Like I definitely like get a little anxious. That's why it's best to be VIP, right? Uh, yeah, doing what we do. <laughs> so, so okay, so let, let me twist that around. If there was a show you would go back to, what would it be if you wanted to relive it again? Oh, show that I've been alive for, or any show ever. Yeah, yeah. Any show ever. Yeah. Maybe when Bob Dylan went electric for the first time, that would be sick. That is very, wow. I actually love that answer. How yeah. long ago are we talking this? Uh, I mean, wasn't that like, this is like, hold on. I'm about to 60s, 70s. All I know is that there's that famous headline, like Bob Dylan goes electric and it was right. Like some- right. Yeah. I do remember uh, seeing something like that. Like one of my friends posted about it too, because they're huge yeah. Bob Dylan fans. I mean, I'm such a big Bob Dylan fan. I don't personally like his more recent stuff very much, but freewheeling, I think is one of the best albums. Oh ever. God. <laughs> that's a that's definitely up there as far as like uh the like the music i grew i never actually even mentioned bob dylan as far as the music i grew up listening to because oh, yeah. music i grew up listening to is like deal, deals with like smashing pumpkins oh, and, yeah. uh, and you know the cranberries and you know and then of course all like the like the new genre of like like you know rock music came across like you know tool and like <laughs> oh uh, yeah green day and all that stuff like i was part of that crowd you know oh yeah we um, love that but uh Gemma uh this has been an honor <laughs> I mean, it's we, been wonderful thank you for having I, me it's it's already like been like over an hour I can't believe it's been that long but uh, oh my gosh time flies when you're having fun I'm, chatting with your bestie it, it really is and uh, uh like I said I'll keep you posted once this episode airs like I said once we get our software issues taken care of um I will keep you posted do you have any last words just any shout outs anything you'd like to plug in or mention as far as Adrian or the new album i don't know what you can and cannot say would you be have you recorded a music video or would Ooh, you be i'm open? in the process of doing that Ooh, um, that'd be so I, cool to see 
Yeah, we'll see what happens with that. Um, it's going to be really fun to collaborate with some more people. Uh, I guess some last shout outs would be thank you so much for having me for this. It's been a real pleasure. Um, honestly, it wouldn't have happened had you not loved the album and wanted to have a chat. I love it. I, I, I can't wait to. I've been itching this entire like hour and a half. Just like, oh, I want to talk about this song. I want to talk about this song. We'll do another one. We will. We will. And um, I guess other shout outs would be man so many people like i mean specifically about adrian making that song with charlie dalkey at Ashland recording company was a dream um matt phillips played pedal steel on it and he was absolutely incredible he's another artist who has his own spotify profile i've actually been listening to him for years without really knowing it like i have i realized that some of his songs were my playlist from like 2016 and then he's on the song and i was like oh my god that matt phillips like and he's a friend of charlie so he killed it on the song. Jess Kerber sang some beautiful harmonies on it. Will Orchard, another artist, did a lot of little guitar riffs on the song, which really brought it to life. And basically at the end of the day, like this, and Andrew Goldring uh, mastered it, Charlie mixed it. Like this whole song wouldn't have happened. The album wouldn't have happened without the people behind it. And I genuinely do believe like that's what brought it to life. And so I'm just really grateful for those folks, really grateful for all the people that have written it up for like ear milk and under the radar and um and all that and and just just really humbled and and honored that people actually want to listen to it and come to the shows i have another sh i have a show coming up in new york on november 19th so if this comes out before november 19th um, i'm opening for hodera and babe hoven who are two bands i absolutely adore awesome. um so that'll be another another big one and and yeah those are kind of my final wrap-up thoughts Thanks for everybody for listening to this fun chat. I've had a real great time and, and thanks again for having me, Sonny. It's been a real pleasure. No, thank you from the bottom of my heart for just taking the time out of your day to do this. Um, I'm going to let you get to your dinner soon. I know <laughs> we've been talking about food a lot. Like I feel like- We have those rancheros. I'm like salivating. <laughs> I, I may just want to get some Mexican food now. Just There's this restaurant Ooh. across the street from where I live. But um, yeah. um, man, uh, everyone who's listening, uh, do me a favor. Listen to Gemma Lawrence's Adrian. It dropped this past week. Um, do you have any like what social links? Like where can people stay in touch with you? I yeah, you I'm mainly on Instagram, Gemma Lawrence Music. It's spelled Gemma with a G, Lawrence with a U, so G-E-M-M-A-L-A-U-R-E-N-C-E -E music. Um, so that's me on Instagram is where I communicate with most people and on Facebook as well. Found me on Spotify at Gemma Lawrence, give me a little follow, add it to your playlists. And I'm on Twitter as well at Gemma F Lawrence, but I kind of just like Twitter still yeah. exists. <laughs> yeah, seriously, yeah, I don't really know. I'm just kind of like, what? Sometimes it's, it's like half memes and half like uncomfortable, like self-congratulatory. So I'm just like, look, it's an article that was written about me. And yeah. then I'm like, LOL, hate myself. You know, <laughs> it's like a weird dichotomy. <laughs> like, so um, I don't know if you want to follow me on Twitter, but I, if you want to, if Twitter's your thing. Um, that Those are the social links. And, and yeah, stream Adrian on Spotify or your streaming platform of choice. That would be dope. Gemma, this has been great. Thank you again from the bottom of my heart. Stay safe out there in Brooklyn. Have a great show. And that's November, right? That's going to be your next show. November yes, 19th. November 19th okay. at the Broadway. Okay. Uh, and if you're in the area, check her out, please. Uh, I'm, I'm still counting down the days until I get to meet you in person, meet Kira and everyone else in between. Um, come down to Dallas. We'll, <laughs> it's going to be a great time. Like It's just so great to connect with someone like you. And I can't wait to you know, uh, you know, know, keep this going in the next year and who knows you know it's it's just been a delight to work with you i wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for you so everyone listening Gemma lawrence stream adrian everywhere and be on the lookout for the new album because it is a thing of beauty so thank you so much Gemma. 
Thanks so much for having me. All right. I'm going to let you go here. I'm going to get some food and we'll stay in touch. Okay. Yay. Talk to you soon. All right. Bye. Adrian, we've been at the bar since half past ten. I think I like you, but I don't know when to let you know. Am I just a friend? Hey guys, thanks for listening to Interview Under Fire podcast. If you guys liked what you heard, please subscribe and share our channel. And please leave a five-star review as that helps us tremendously. If you'd like to check out more, visit www.interviewunderfire.com or our social media channels on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. And finally, we want to thank you all for the support you've been giving us. Keep it burning.